Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. We are continuing through the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. One of the concepts Robert talks about is how to invent money. Where some people might see only endless problems, others see plenty of opportunity. Mark and I also discuss the difference between working for money versus working to learn. So if you're wondering how you can overcome some of the obstacles in your financial journey, start spotting those great opportunities, then tune in. And books like this help you educate yourself and build financial literacy so that you can spot and be prepared for those investing opportunities. You can get in contact with Mark over at Joy Hill Property Management, joyhill.ca. He's helping folks set up, manage short and midterm rental properties. Myself, Good Stewards at goodstewards.ca. Our services help you source the right rental property, develop quality rental units, and secure amazing tenants. Finally, we would love to hear from all of our wonderful listeners, and you can send your feedback to hello at twostewards.ca. And now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Two Stewards Show. We're continuing with our review of Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And in this episode, we're going to roughly cover uh, chapters five through seven and some of the concepts that we find in there. So chapter five, the rich invent money, Mark's chapter speaking, six. Mark's speaking with a lot of enthusiasm. Yes. <laughs> because it's such an exciting part of the book. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, chapter six, work to learn. Don't work for money. And chapter seven, overcoming obstacles. So uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff in there, right? So the rich invent money. Brent, how do the rich invent money? <laughs> I think this is where you throw me off, right? The podcast, the <laughs> intro, and then you get to the part where you actually have to talk about real stuff, and then you're like, right, "Okay, Brent, Brent, you, you do talk it." Talk about it. Yeah, hey, I can tell you. I can tell you what I think. Okay. Well, the rich invent money. Well, usually you think about money uh, in the context of earning money. Yes. I think, um, but not necessarily inventing money. I, I think about money, earning money, and then. Uh, the government prints money yep. and those are two ways that money can come into your life. But what about inventing money? <laughs> that seems kind of like a foreign concept if you've never read the book. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. But he, yeah, he's just talking about finding opportunities basically that yeah. other people don't. Yeah. And that applies to a lot of areas of life, I think, but especially in the context of real estate is what he is talking about in the book. Not a hundred percent, but a lot of it is about real estate. And, um, yeah, just finding opportunities that other people don't. Cause you, you hear that all the time, right? Like, oh, there's nothing in my market. I can't possibly make any money in real yeah. estate in my market, but there's always like people the prices who are, doing are way it. too high where I live. Why don't yeah. I go look over there where the prices have come down or why don't I go look? We're in, we're in Canada, we're in Hamilton. So why don't you go look in the States? Because Hey, hey. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Mark's been going down to the States to check it out. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's the attitude, right? Yeah. It's the attitude that there are no opportunities. The grass is greener over there. Yeah. So I need, and uh, that applies to your job too, right? Let's say like I'm making money at a job, but it's not enough money. And uh, I need more money or I want more or that other job over there is better. Yeah. Um, and having that mindset and saying, well, okay, well, maybe there's opportunities that you haven't seen. Yeah. And do you have the mindset? Because we're talking about mindset a lot with this book, right? The yeah. paradigm shift in a lot of different areas. Um, do you have the mindset where you can see and identify opportunities and where other people don't? 
And that's yes. how Robert says the rich, quote unquote, the rich dad, or he invents money. Yeah. So you're creating opportunities where, or I mean, taking advantage of opportunities that other people don't see. And yeah. Um, one example that uh, we've talked about is, is couch flipping, right? So <laughs> yeah, maybe you don't have enough money to, um, to buy some real estate yet. Right. And especially if you're younger, you just kind of getting this started. This is not the kind of flipping where you like you your kids jump around on the couch. And- <laughs> no, <laughs> stop jumping <laughs> on the couch. Um, no, this is after they're done, and you sell the couch, and somebody buys it. But uh, no, I've heard this from uh, like just a bunch of different people as like a side de- gig. decent way. Yeah, side gig, and some of them make some pretty good money at it, right? So it's essentially you're going to go find a couch on Kijiji for cheap. And uh, with and then do use minimal effort to to make it nicer. Sometimes like no effort, just a couple of colored pillows or something, and or maybe you got to steam clean it, whatever it is. Uh, and then you resell it for more money, and that could be in your market. Maybe it's in a different market, right? So maybe yeah. you buy in Hamilton, sell in Toronto. I don't know. Um, but that's just one exa- sort of innovative example of people um, inventing air quotes money. Right. So yeah. they may buy a couch either for free or for 50 bucks and then sell that same couch to someone else for 500 bucks. Yeah. Whereas you and I look at the same couch and go, this thing is a piece of trash. Yeah. Or it's not worth me going in my truck down the road to get this thing, mm-hmm. to bring it home, to put it in my garage, to collect dust because I don't see the opportunity in, uh, in, in that particular couch. Yeah. Or maybe I'm the kind of guy who's going to buy the couch thinking I know what to do. And I go and sell it again and I don't have a clue and I lose money. Yeah. So then it's a negative attitude, right? I would look at that and say, well, you know what? I don't know if I can do this, but that's, that's a pretty simplistic, um, simplistic, simple example. Yeah. It's a simple example, but to illustrate the whole. Exactly. But it's something that I never, until I heard of couch flipping. Yeah. I didn't realize that was really think a, th- of it wasn't it. a thing. Yeah. I would have never thought of it, right? Yeah. Like, who would do that? Why would you do that? And uh, I think Robert says, f- like, the rich invent money, finding opportunities uh, or deals where others don't have the skill, knowledge, and resources. So yeah. So, you look at each one of those, like, skill, knowledge, resources. Okay, well, you might have, in that case of couch flipping, you might have a unique knowledge of what a couch is worth in each particular market and what colors are better and what finishes and people like and styles and, and what you can do. And then that's where the skills come in, right? Because like, do you have the skills to take it from, you know, what it was to what it is? Do you have the skills to negotiate a good price on the purchase and a good sale uh, price to your end end client? Right. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing is the resources. So do you have, you know, a truck or something to go pick up the couch in a garage to right because you could see the opportunity and you could have the knowledge and the skill but you might not have the resources so i had an example of that in um in real estate so bring it back to real estate for yeah example, for a minute um like we're always looking out for opportunities and deals and um and then we have various knowledge and skills and um, access to people with even more knowledge and skills and we'll talk about that later but um the idea is that if you have all that, well, great, an opportunity comes along and you can take action. But the other part of it is the resources side of it, right? And do you have enough money or do you have enough ability to get financing? Do you have, um, you know, is is your contractor ready to go? 
So all of these things kind of play in and you might have one or two of them, but if you don't have kind of the full picture in place, yeah. then, um, yeah, you might not be able to take action and actually realize a gain on that opportunity. So we've had that on a few deals where an opportunity comes up and you're like, that is a great opportunity for somebody. Um, we'd love to do it. Uh, we'd love to help somebody do it, but we just don't have, um, the money lying around to do that. Yeah. Maybe it's too big of a deal. Maybe it's really complex and time consuming, but there you can see a path forward. So that's just one example in real estate of, uh, how you can invent money and how being prepared, um, ahead of time will make you benefit from that. Yeah. And that means you have to be working in that field for a while to develop that expertise. It doesn't yeah. just come like that. Right. And you're yeah. probably going to make mistakes and maybe lose money right uh in the process and that's that's all that's all part of the yeah like uh, if you're flipping couches you probably flipped a few couches where you didn't make money and you learned a few things and yeah hopefully you don't do that every time yeah but yeah you learn by making mistakes right or by learning from other people yeah. i don't know if it's possible to get a couch flipping mentor <laughs> 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 I bet you somewhere out there there's somebody selling a course on uh, right flipping now. couches. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Kiyosaki talks about uh, you know active investors versus passive investors. So a passive investor hands his money to someone to manage, whether that's in an ETF or a REIT or uh, something, whereas a active investor is more hands-on. And that doesn't mean they do everything. Yeah. But at, at the very least, they're, they understand the industry that they're in. If we're talking about real estate, they understand the asset classes that they're investing in. And then they know what kind of people to find or to, to, to get to help them manage that property. Because you can't be an expert in everything. Yeah. Uh, at least not initially. So then you might need. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, Brent. Far not from yet. an expert in everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. He talks about three things. Identify opportunities that other people haven't found. Raise funds for investment. And work with other intelligent people. Right. Um, and yeah, that all makes sense. So you need to find other people who hopefully know more than you about, uh, about a, one particular area of investing of, uh, of real estate. So it might be like someone who knows, uh, dealing with, you know, where we are dealing with the city of Hamilton, for example, yeah. right. Who, who knows some of the planners, who knows all the ins and the outs and who can look at a deal and be like, okay, here's the problems we're going to have this, this, and this, yeah. and here's how we're going to fix them. Thank Whereas you. you might have no clue. Yeah. Right. You like just this saved us $20,000. Yeah. Like, yeah. uh, you know, don't go see this planner on Mondays cause he's not happy <laughs> after the weekend. Right. Go see him on like a Wednesday or a Thursday yeah. and bring a honey cooler and you'll get your plans approved. <laughs> Mark has some inside knowledge here. <laughs> <laughs> but that, yeah, that's something you would not ever, you know, you may not ever figure out. You might eventually, but yeah, where it just makes so much more sense to work with a professional who understands and has that knowledge, right? Yeah. So if you want to do it yourself, you're going to face those limitations, right? You might be able to, in the example you gave of submitting to the city for a permit, like yep. you might be able to figure it all out and submit, but are you going to get it in the best timeline? Are you going to get the best results? Is it going to cost less? Is it? Right. And then that's where you can get an edge over uh, your competition or over, 
I guess that's what makes investment uh, opportunities an opportunity, right? Is because yeah. you have something that other people haven't quite figured out yet. Um, and then you have an edge over them, right? Yeah. And if they have figured it out, can you do it better and quicker than them? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can submit plan or I can do up some drawings for a permit and it'll take me a while to do that. And then it's going to go back and forth with the city, you know, after which point my contractor has lost yeah, interest yeah. You, or he's going to start like on the next job. That. You've already pulled all your hair out. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, he's yeah. Wise. He's got a beard. He pulled all his hair out long ago yeah, and now he hires it out. It comes out down here. <laughs> But uh, no, that's like you're exactly right, right? That's just a good example of um, of being prepared and being ready to take advantage of the opportunities when they uh, when they arise. Yeah, I think you had an example of um, like BlackRock. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what do you want to talk about with that? Well, so this okay, is, let so, me let me preface this, I guess. Yeah. With the um, sort of the traditional journey that real estate investors go on or that I've seen a lot of people do, uh, especially people who are serious about being in real estate and advancing, right? Typically, they will start with something small and it'll be single family and then they'll, you know, get into a duplex and uh, kind of just work their way up unit size uh, as they go, right? Some people are just content to stick with single family homes and duplexes and maybe accessory dwelling units and they know that formula, it works for them and they can do it by themselves for themselves and they just kind of stick with that but a lot of people will move on to larger and larger uh unit sizes so you might you know be able to put three units into a property in a single family home but then maybe you'll buy a smaller multifamily, then a bigger multifamily, then like a really like an apartment building yeah. or something right it's very similar to other business like businesses just grow over time yeah right? you grow organically you develop yeah. that knowledge and, and understanding and then you know you hire more people once you have that. yeah and you have the more funds available so you can take advantage of the bigger deals so buying an apartment building might be a better return on investment than that single family home um but the person just starting out isn't going to buy that apartment but anyways that's that's sort of the progression that you often see right people get into bigger and bigger deals and then have partners and uh in all different kinds of things so we've seen um people worried about buying single family homes because a company like BlackRock, the huge investment firm in the States is, has a plan to buy all, you know, and has been buying um, many single family homes in yeah. an area. And they're just like, well, I can't possibly compete with them. Yeah. Right. And you've and, seen news articles too come out where investment funds are big investment, like large, large, lots of money. They're coming in, they're going to buy up the single family homes or that's the way it's portrayed in the headlines in the news anyways right? yeah if you the investor i would think 20 million dollars is coming in to buy all yeah this. exactly right and um you know my thesis is that for single family homes nothing beats the individual investor who really knows the market because they can't a big firm cannot compete with that individual knowledge of the area of the neighborhood, of the intricacies of dealing with the city or, you know, whatever else it might be. Um, like they just can't for yeah. in, in single families because they're, they're just running numbers, right? So they'll look at, here's a 200 unit deal and that might be an apartment building and the numbers look really good. And then think, well, single family home values have been rising and that's kind of what precipitated a lot of this, right? They looked at the growth in single family homes. They're like, this is a growth market. We should get into it. 
Um, but they're just, you're looking at numbers. You're not looking at the ability that Kiyosaki talks about to take advantage of the deal, yeah. right? Which a single family home, an experienced SFH single family home investor might, might be able to do. And we saw that with Zillow. Right. Zillow got really, so Zillow is a real estate company in the States yeah. and you can go on, it's like MLS kind of, you can go on and search for homes and, um, you know, they offer some different ancillary services, but they, they have this uh, thing called the Zestimate and it's basically like an AI model, um, which will calculate the value of a home. Right. And I found like, sometimes it's accurate. Sometimes it's not, it's hit, yeah. hit and miss. And, and that's also what they found out because, what they did for certain homes is they said, we're going to give you a Zestimate if you list and that will constitute an offer on the home. So if you want to take that, like click these buttons and we will buy that home from you. Right. And they were buying thousands and thousands of homes. And uh, the idea was that they're going to buy them, renovate them, resell them. And uh, you know, when everything is going up, yeah, that yeah. works fine, right? When there's a little bit of instability, it doesn't work so good. So, I think the um, the last quarter that they were doing this, they lost about $300 million. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm just looking at an article here. They bought 9,680 homes in the third quarter, but only sold 3,032. Um, and, I mean, real estate's cyclical, so you wouldn't expect them to, like, buy 9,000, sell 9,000, right? But third quarter, that should still be decent for sales. Um, it's not like it's winter. But yeah. uh, the, the point is they, they were buying like thousands of homes based on an algorithm. And then that didn't work out. Yeah. So, yeah. Big surprise, <laughs> guys, right? Well, those are both great examples of how <laughs> local knowledge or having local knowledge yeah. um, can be to your advantage as like a small investor starting out. Yeah. Um, because basically what you're saying is these big companies that seemingly have a huge advantage when it comes to, you know, the fact that they could just write a check and buy the house. Um, and you might think, oh, they're going to just, they're going to outbid. They're going to pay more for the house. They're going to take them all. And there's not going to be any opportunities. Yeah. Well, basically the picture you're painting from all these news articles and these like the actual real world results of what happens is there's still opportunities for small investors because these big companies aren't nimble enough or they're not, they're not able to um, have an inside scoop on where you are and what, um, what opportunities exist in that particular market when they're trying to scale across like multiple cities and deploy, you know, billions of dollars. Yeah. So, and yeah, it may work in the short term, right? Like I think one of the strategies they would have, I don't know if this was, this was Zillow or somebody else, but some of the bigger investors would be like, they had a bunch of homes in a neighborhood that intentionally overpay for, let's say they own 10 homes. Well, the 11th one, they would intentionally overpay for that home because what that does is creates a comp set, right? A comparable home. Right. So now if they overpaid for that 11th home, that creates a comparable for the other 10. Right. So now that makes, air quotes, the other 10 more valuable. And uh, they could sell or refinance for more money for right. that for those ten homes. So in, yeah. in essence, they may have paid a hundred grand over ask for this home, but they just made a hundred grand on every other home, yeah, you know, on paper. Yeah. And um, but you can very see manipulative. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is, <laughs> and you can see how you know that that could fall apart very quickly. Yeah. Right. If that eleventh home. 
uh, dropped in value or somebody yeah. else bought a home for much less and you can't sell these homes, well, all of a sudden those other 10 homes have also lost value and you've like yeah. multiplied your margin on uh, on that. So, um, yeah, games that people play, I guess, right? And thoughts yeah. that people have. And then another advantage, like, so I guess it's a disadvantage for these big guys is that the market is very fragmented. Like it's, you know, little pockets of different things here. Yeah. And, um, and that's where the advantage is when you're just an individual investor, right? Um, so if you know somebody down the road who might be selling their house, you can go to their door and knock on it and, and have a conversation with them, right? Whereas BlackRock in their big office or whatever other investor, they might be looking at the market and doing what they can to try and buy houses, but they might not have that same relationship. So they might not see the same opportunities that you are. Um, so to have that kind of like fragmented nature of the market and those individual relationships, um, that can be to your advantage in a huge way. Yeah. Yeah. And real estate is always local, right? Yeah. We talk about the real estate market. Like there is no real estate market in the States. I think there's, um, like 400 major urban areas that you can buy real estate in and they're all different. So one side of the country could be different. Uh, from another side, right? Like yeah. in terms of going up in value, going down in value. And then you just think, you know, you multiply that out. There's probably 3,000 or so local yeah. markets in the States anyways. Um, and just there's more data available for the States. That's why I'm referencing that. Yeah, you can even um, think about the golden horseshoe where we are in, yeah. in Canada. Like the, yeah, you have the Toronto market, yeah, you have the Hamilton market. <laughs> well, everything kind of spirals out from Toronto yeah. in a big way. But there's also a lot of little pockets, even within cities, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. There's thousands of areas. But within those areas, there's dozens probably yeah. of sub areas. Yeah. And how would an institutional investor ever get to know those? Yeah. So to circle back to the concept from rich dad, poor dad, like the rich invent money. and. Yeah. He's not talking about the rich as in the big investors. He's talking about the person. Yep. Uh, people invent money, and if you think, um, if you think about it a different way, and you open your eyes to opportunities, um, and you educate yourself on your local market or on a particular market that you select, and become an expert in that market, you can you can use that to your advantage, and you can even outcompete some of these really really big uh, investment firms. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and that's again, that's just my thesis that single family homes <laughs> I think it's suited a good to individual thesis. investors. I would agree with your thesis. <laughs> okay, you agree. <laughs> well, and I mean, essentially, that's kind of what we've built our businesses on. Yeah. Is that local knowledge, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Empowering you, people to, um, yeah, essentially, that's that missing link, right? If you don't necessarily have local knowledge, but you're also not BlackRock with a trillion dollars. Like there's some middle ground there, right? Where like our business in particular, we help try to empower people so that they can have the knowledge they need to make the decisions that like basically take some of the risk out of it for them. Yeah. Right? So that when they do buy something, they know that it's the right thing and they know what they're going to do with it. And then they have the resources to, you know, do renovations or whatever kind of um, development they're going to do to the property. Maybe they're going to sever it um or add units or develop the whole thing or whatever and then they also know uh at the end of the day 
what that uh, they're going to rent it out and what the rental market's like right yeah so you have that full picture when you go into a deal um whereas if you go into it for the first time by yourself and even if you've read a bunch of stuff it's hard to know exactly what each step is going to entail and how much am i going to spend on renovations and how long is it going to take to get a permit and um you know will i find good tenants and who what will they be like and uh you know would they be able to afford what i'm you know hopefully going to produce like like are my units going to be the right kind of units for the right kind of people and um so yeah to have somebody who kind of knows all those different things has done it before like we've leveraged experiences with other people right like we've learned from so many other investors and i'm sure you have too right just hey you did this how how did it go right and you start gaining all this knowledge and applying it in your life and then yeah, yeah, you can help empower people who haven't started yet or, um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And to do a, like to do a deal, you need, you need a group of people, mm-hmm. right. That have specialized knowledge in different areas. Right. And you still need, I think, uh, as an investor, you probably should have a good general picture and good general knowledge of real estate and how all the parts work. So, yeah. you know, I, I at least understand if I'm doing a deal, I understand that we got to get permits and we got to go to the city for yeah. go back to that example. Right. <laughs> I might not know how to make it do a drawing yeah. or how to apply for the permits yeah. or whatever. And I can turn that over to you, but I know what the steps are. Yeah. Right. To, to do that. And I know, you know, we need financing. So I know I got to talk to this person and yeah. some things to look out. But for. even if you don't know the steps, it's still, uh, like that's where it's beneficial to talk to people as well. Right. To know like, Hey, you did it before. How yeah. do you do it? Right. Yeah. And and what did you run into? And then, well, who did you talk to for that and start building that network? Right. Yeah. Well, and that ties to another concept um, in the book in chapter six, right. Where he talks about work to learn, don't work for money. So the idea is build your experience, build your knowledge in different areas but then make sure that it, there's a point to it yeah. and that you can use that knowledge in, um, in your, you know, whatever you're doing. We're talking about real estate and Kiyosaki talks about real estate as well. Um, but business in general, develop those skills so that you have that, at least the general knowledge and you know which people to pick, which people to deal with. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it's just natural to want to work for money. Um, Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the natural inclination of most people. Go get a job, get money. Well, because I think working. people, I think people think that they they need to eat dinner, so they wake up and they say, "Well, I need groceries. I need this. I need that. So to get that, I need to go to work to get money, so that I can get those things, so I can live, so I can do it again tomorrow. Yeah. And then eventually, I might have a job that pays me a surplus. Right. I'll have more at the end of the day. And then maybe I could buy a nicer dinner and live in a nicer house. And then you start to kind of plan out your life, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, <laughs> Brent, if you're not watching, Brent made like a, I don't know, is a that Jordan a spider? Peterson kind of. A... Oh, okay. I thought there was a spider crawling up a hill kind of motion. Ever crawling up that yeah, you start uh, hill. You start to develop out your life. Well, and we talked about that in a previous episode about how, as you increase your income, you tend to increase your expenses. Yeah. So yeah, you have a nicer dinner, you get a nicer car, you get a nicer house, 
right? Yeah. You get all these nicer liabilities. Yeah. And then, but the mindset too, is that if I want something nicer, I have to work harder because yeah. look at that guy. He's got a nicer house. Yeah. Why can't I? Well, he's a little bit older. Well, okay. Well, maybe if I just work a bit harder and I get a promotion, I get a better job or whatever, then I'll be like him in five years. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think the mindset that Robert's trying to address in general in the book. Yeah. Is this like, you can only do it through one way and that is working for money. Yes. Right. And, uh, if you're driven by this desire to have more than the other guy, like that's first of all, not necessarily a good desire, right. From no. a Christian perspective. No. Um, but if you're, if you're trying to achieve that by working for money, um, I'll flip you on the camera here. Um, then that's, that's going to limit you, uh, severely. Right. And so that's a whole example in the chapter six, where you talk about working to learn rather than working to, for money. I think you have a great way of describing this, but, um, is you're actually, uh, going to your job and you're earning money. Yes. That's kind of like a side benefit, but you're really learning and you're developing yourself and you're developing your skills and you're having a mindset that's kind of open-minded to opportunities. It's, um, God's given me a mind. He's yep. given me talents. Um, how can I use them? How can I develop them into something even better? Um, and yeah, does that do it justice? No. Yeah, no, but it, that, that is a, like a decent summation of, of work to learn. Because that's in the book, Kiyosaki talks about that, right? When he went to work for his rich dad. Um, sometimes it was for not very much money yeah. or sometimes for no money. And he got kind of mad because he's like, oh, I'm only making this much. and I didn't get a raise. And, you know, why doesn't he pay me what I'm worth, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. And eventually yeah, realized. He was like, a kid. He's like, I want to be rich. Yeah. Oh, why didn't he pay me? <laughs> right. And that was the whole point of what that rich dad was teaching him is like, no, learn skills because they are more valuable yeah. than money. And ultimately, the whole kind of reason you're working is to learn and in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, especially as a young person, like I wish I had understood this when I was younger, but you have opportunities now to learn from other people, right? So maybe instead of taking, you know, taking the, the first job that you see or find, you find a mentor or somebody, yeah. you know, maybe they don't know they're mentoring you, but find somebody successful that you admire or that you think has done well in their field and that is in a field that you want to work in. Um, and go work with them and learn everything you can from them about how, what they do, how they do it. And maybe that means you're not making as much money, but you're picking up things that are much more valuable financially anyways um, for you in the long run, those skills that are going to help you make more money down the road. Yeah. And then the same would apply to to real estate as well, right? Maybe you got to put in some time... Um, working with somebody or shadowing somebody or just learning or doing deals that maybe aren't as great, but you get to work with some really smart people and yeah. see how they do those deals. Just seeing somebody go through the process of doing a deal um, is so much more valuable than you trying to figure, tough it out on your own and uh, making all the mistakes and then realizing later like, oh, I could have just done this. <laughs> One simple thing would have saved me 10 grand, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, in real estate too, those mistakes are like worth a lot more than, like, for example, we talked about couch flipping, right? Yeah. right? If you pick the wrong color couch, maybe you lose 50 bucks. <laughs> in real estate, you could very easily lose quite a bit. Yeah. Right? Even one like little mistake, you're oops. 
And that oops is like, ooh, uh, <laughs> I guess I got to go back to work. <laughs> yeah. So Kiyosaki talks about like he joined the Marines when he left. Right. Not because he had a you know a great desire to be in the army. Yeah. Or in the Marines. Sorry, if you're a Marine, you take great <laughs> offense when you mix up uh, branches. Um, <laughs> right. But he learned about how to lead people, how to manage people. Yeah. Right. And that's if you go into any branch of the military, that's one of the things they really stress, especially if you get into like an officer program is how to manage people. Cause that's really, that's all it is. Right. Yeah. You have some skills that everybody needs to learn, but the rest is managing people. So he did that. And then he, um, he went to work for Xerox and learned sales, not because he loved photocopy machines, yeah, but cause he was like, I need to learn sales. Yeah. And uh, like this is a, an essential skill for me, which is yeah. So if you can sell, you're uh, you got a, a leg up on a lot of people, right? But he specifically did these things to develop his skills, and then went off and started yeah. his own company when he felt he had probably enough skills. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I I feel like I'm more into learning now than I was in school, where you're actually supposed to learn. Yeah, um, all through school. Like, yeah, you do the learning that they say and whatever. You're kind of forced to learn different things, right? But now when you're out of school, you kind of have this freedom to learn what you want. And if you apply yourself and you take delight in um, certain topics or whatever, and yeah, I've shown a lot of people actually who, you know, I love this topic and I just listen to podcasts all day about this thing. And yeah, right. And that's cool to see. Um, So to have that drive, but there are other people too who just don't have that necessarily that drive or that creativity to try and figure things out and um so that's what rich rich dad like the philosophy from robert kiyosaki is he's trying to spawn that in people right like yeah have a little bit of an open mind to different things and start trying to learn um different topics i think you had an example of like some people who refuse to learn right because that's the other (laughs) side of it like if you don't learn what are the consequences or what does your life look like right yeah, it's uh, yeah. You don't want to pick on people. Yeah, and I'm certainly not saying like, "Hey, look at me." So and so, you better um, be listening. <laughs> no, but I think we probably all know people who yeah. who are like. Well, I've generally even have it in my life, right? Like you do the same thing, and you're like, "Man, I should have done that differently because I did the exact same thing last time and it didn't yeah. work." Right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I'll see this in the trades a lot, anyways. Maybe it exists in other spaces, but I've more experience this way. Is um, you know, guys who typically just live for the weekend. Yeah. Right. So you, you learn a trade, so that's good. That's something, but then like, that's it. That's where yeah. your learning stops because now you've learned something and you have the ability to make money. And then, um, you just, uh, yeah, again, kind yeah. of live for the weekend. So you have enough money to buy your substances to entertain you. Yeah. And then that's kind of your life. Yeah. I saw the exact same thing. Cause I used to work on a construction site at like 15, 16, 17 years old. And, you know, I'm all excited to work. You know, I have a job. I'm, (laughs) you know, I actually have income. This is great. You know, you have a life and you're starting to save some money. You don't even have a car yet, whatever. And, uh, yeah. And then you see these other people who are construction workers and, you know, just show up with a truck and a trailer and yeah, they're just attached to these vices in their life. And, um, I know the one guy in particular, like his marriage was just falling apart and, you know, he was addicted to different 
substances and yeah it was just sad to see and like from my perspective like i was just ready to learn from him and like i, yeah. I wasn't working for him but i was like you know i saw him at the job so like yeah. every now and then and yeah. just it's just sad to see but then yeah he's not not the kind of guy who wants to learn a new trade or try and take these things out of his life and it's it's really sad it kind of snowballs down the other way right yeah and i mean these are sort of extreme examples but I don't know what I've seen generally if people are complacent and in general in life and they're not learners, um, then that sort of has that snowball effect. And I mean, you can say like, not everybody is a good learner. Um, I don't necessarily buy that because, you know, I know lots of people who were not great academic learners, but were like fabulous tradesmen or had some certain skills that like they were really good at. So yeah, in the traditional education system, they didn't learn well. That's like a whole other topic is our, uh, (laughs) you know, Prussian inspired education system. I'm Jordan Peterson. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, yeah, just because you didn't excel in the traditional system doesn't mean you can't learn. And like, Obviously not, because some of these guys are just incredibly talented yeah. in different areas, right? Um, so, yeah, you, you can't not learn. And I think as like Christians... Like everybody can learn something, right? No matter where you are at. Yeah. Um, yeah, even if you're not that bright. Yeah, like, and like I, Mark and I. <laughs> Prime examples, <laughs> right? You can at least... Um, copy other people yeah and that's maybe a form of learning right yeah and like often that's what i do is just like find someone who did the thing that i'm looking to do and just do what they did yeah and then do it often enough you have a new skill yeah you know that's kind of learning i guess like it is 100%. you know animals learn how to do stuff from <laughs> from other animals yeah and <laughs> and robert's um not just saying like everything you do you have to learn whatever but he's He's saying like change your mindset from working for money when you go to your job yeah. to how could I learn to develop myself further in this job? And I think the comment he made about mind your own business, right? Like ultimately you're running your own personal business with your own life, yes, right? Even if you're working for somebody else and you're an employee and you have a job that you have to show up to, that's great. Um, but ultimately you do have, you're essentially running your own business with your own personal finances. Right. And I think people kind of forget that because you, you go to work and you think that's my work life. And then once I have the money, I just, whatever, it's my own, but you're ultimately running a business and then you could do, um, business evaluation on your own personal life. (laughs) Like it's a little bit intense, right? But that's what this book is kind of saying. And you have your, uh, income statement and balance sheet that we talked about last time which uh, he brings out throughout the book is like basically a core concept to the whole book, right? You have assets and liabilities and, um, you know, businesses to have an income statement and a a balance sheet, but people do too, right? And so if you don't know that and you don't uh, understand it and you don't use it to your advantage, then um, yeah, you're just going to be taken advantage of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, I just wanted to to bring up one thing. Like people will say, well, I'm just not a learner. Um, you know, as Christians, we we should be learners. Yeah. Right? Regardless of how smart or dumb you are. Unless you know the entire Bible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. And that's well, that's the prime example, right? Of yeah. having that mindset that we need to always be learning. Um, because you could never 
yeah, you can never learn everything that you, there is to learn in this life. Yeah. Especially just reading the Bible, right? Yeah. Do you know every part of the Bible? Probably not. Yeah. And then when you sort of apply some of these concepts, it's not just knowing what's in there, but then applying them to your life and different doctrines or theologies or whatever, right? There's yeah. so much out there. Like you can never learn everything. Yeah. Circling ever. back to like opportunities. So inventing money, I guess. So the opportunities and having the skills, the knowledge and the resources, like we talked about, like biblical knowledge. Yeah. And, uh, is, is essentially a resource, right? Oh, like, absolutely. And so knowing how to make decisions comes out of that. Like if you educate yourself in the word and you can make decisions um, that are wise and prudent mm -hmm. um, when it comes to your finances, but you can make them quickly, yep. right? And um, you can make less mistakes, quote unquote, right? Um, that comes from knowledge and, and studying and learning and growing um, 100%. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there's, you know, we have secular wisdom and that's what this book is. And there's yeah. some very specific examples, but a lot of the sort of things that are true, like these axioms, things that are universally true, yeah, apply to many different areas of life. And it doesn't take that much imagination to, to kind of apply them somewhere else, right? And, you know, just thinking of uh, a young person starting work right? The rule is always work as hard as you can and do the best job you can, no matter what you're doing, whether you're yeah. like pushing a broom or learning a trade or whatever. And you don't know why, but yeah. well, no, you do know why, because you're glorifying God in that job. But there's also practical implications that later on, those skills might serve you somehow. And I've found that time and again from jobs that I had way back starting in the, in the workforce that I've learned skills that are useful now in certain situations. Yeah. Um, and you know, the same will apply to biblical knowledge, right? As an office bearer, all of a sudden you're called on to deal with a lot of different situations. And if you're unprepared, yeah. um, that's a lot harder. If you have some preparation, you, you know, your Bible a little bit and you know, you've yeah. studied different things. But even things. if you're not an office bearer, if you have, um, you know, good knowledge of the scriptures and you can um you can use that when opportunity arises to serve people it's the same way with your finances too right if yeah. you don't have any money and an opportunity comes up to help people you're going to be severely limited right yeah but if you have uh used what god given you to develop and grow your wealth and an opportunity comes where you can serve well now you have the resources right so it's it goes both ways or it, it happens in a lot of areas of your life. Well, or just, yeah. And also knowing, so I use the example of office bearer just as a, yeah, like a an, practical an example. example. Yeah. But yeah, obviously in your own life, so many opportunities and, but also knowing, um, knowing the right people to, you know, maybe you can't take advantage of a certain opportunity to help out or to do whatever, but you might know someone who does yeah. because you've been in that situation before and you've worked with certain yeah. people. So when you, like when you're involved with, I don't know, I, I hate to use <laughs> mission trips as an example, cause they're not always well done, but you know, whether it's mission trips or other organizations, other charitable yeah. organizations, you get to meet other people you never would have met before and learn different skills and learn things about them that, years later might come in very handy right when you come to a certain situation like oh i'm just going to call this yeah. person uh because they have experience or they know what to do or they'll be able to help out right yeah so 
Ooh. Yeah, there you wow. go. That wasn't all in the book, <laughs> but the important uh, important lesson. So yeah, <laughs> work to learn. Uh, don't work for money. Yeah, we'll talk about the uh, Prussian education system. Everyone can just go listen to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> by Jordan Peterson. <laughs> uh, well, the other one he talks about is overcoming obstacles, right? Yeah, and that's uh, what is that? Chapter seven. Uh, yes, sir. Oh, how many chapters are in this book? Nine. Nine. Okay. Nine. We're it's also from the Prussian there. education system. Nine. A little German joke there. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. We are on chapter nine. I mean, seven. Um, so, what are some of these obstacles? Because we are all going to face obstacles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Fear. Yeah. I don't fear. have any fear. All right. Cynicism. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I, I do have fear, and I think everybody has fear. But uh, what is he? His main fear that he talks about is the fear of losing money. Yeah. Um. So okay, I'm just a little <laughs> little plug here. <laughs> no, because we uh, I wrote about that as well in yeah. in, in our book. Um, I should do a this book plug. You, is. me, and Airbnb. You, me, and Airbnb. So I uh, wrote about the fear of the unknown and how that really stops a lot of people from um, investing in real estate, but also just doing new stuff in their lives, right? Just that having oh. that fear of the unknown and that's just something yeah. you got to get over. Because we've talked to so many people. It's like, uh, I love real estate investing. It sounds like a great idea. Uh, it's really cool what you guys are doing or you know what other people are doing. Uh, we should have done it years ago, but like, that's all. Uh, and you're just and like, that's where it ends. Okay. Well, good. Nice chat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe it comes from a fear of not, not knowing, uh, fear of the unknown, right? Yeah. That's sort of my, uh, understanding of it, my limited understanding, right? Yeah. Is that we all have that fear of the unknown, right? Yeah. And, well, not all of us, but a lot of people do. So one way to get around that is to make the unknown known and that helps because now it's a known thing and you can deal with it. But there's still that general fear of the unknown that a lot of people have that if there's something I don't know, I'm going to be scared of it, right? Yeah, so, which in some cases is a little bit healthy, but an excessive. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah, it can swing both ways. Um, but it's kind of losing that and that's what a lot of entrepreneurs have right whereas you see the unknown as something scary and nebulous and like oh i don't know um whereas a lot of entrepreneurs kind of have the other thing like that's opportunity yeah it's it's unknown but it's unknown probably in a good way yeah let me see what good things i can make out of the unknown yeah and having that mindset shift is um it's very hard to do but i find like a lot of people who once they buy their first investment property, because they don't know everything, you try and prepare and you do everything, but you take that plunge. And like yeah. what you talked about, a yeah. lot of people are like, oh, we don't know, and we just we never did it. Yeah. But people who make that take that plunge, it often will change something in you as well. Yeah. Where you realize, like, okay, I did this. I didn't know everything. It was scary, but I did it anyways. Yeah. And even for kids, I think getting them to be able to do something that's a little bit scary. Some kids will just never go past their comfort level. Yeah. 
and other kids will and then they find they can grow their comfort level and do new and different things and sometimes yeah. it gets a little too much <laughs> um you know that's why they invented helmets right yeah exactly <laughs> you're gonna do this uncomfortable thing but strap on the helmet first <laughs> well just a quote from the book so overcoming fear no one likes to lose money uh -huh. the only people who have never lost money investing are those who haven't done it yeah right? so if you have <laughs> yeah, does, basically saying everyone's lost money investing. Yeah, but I think if you've he never said lost money, else. you're not going to know how to make money. Yeah. He said that somewhere. Like every rich person I know has lost money. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. So that means if you want to go on that journey, you're going to lose money somewhere, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I'm pretty experienced in uh, losing <laughs> I've money. Got that, yeah, I got that down You pat. know how to lose money. So oh, yeah. if you're looking to invest, <laughs> lose money, <laughs> you know who to call. Yeah, it's true, right? Because uh, what do they say? Make mistakes quickly, right? And then yeah. improve from them, learn from them and grow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not something to be afraid of losing money. Um, but it's what I would be more afraid of is if you lost money and then you repeated the same behavior multiple times and yeah. never made money because you didn't learn. Right. Yeah. And some of that comes back to the, the risk of real estate or the risk of being self-employed because I've talked to people about this, right? Like, Oh, buying real estate or having your own company, isn't that risky? Right. And to, you know, my answer is like having a nine to five to me is just, is risky. more risky. <laughs> and never being able to do anything else. That's more risky for me and for my family's future. Yeah. Because I'm so dependent on other macroeconomic events, other people, everything else that's going on. Yeah. Um, I have no ability to pivot or to yeah. change or You're to do anything. You're in a anything. box that you can't control the yeah. limits of and you, yeah, you can't do anything. Yeah. To me, that's much more risky. And not yeah. to say that like everybody, you have to quit your nine to five and go... <laughs> have your own homestead and grow You're your gonna own make vegetables everybody and chickens but listening to this podcast <laughs> into an entrepreneur <laughs> uh but yeah there's there's always room for 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 being an entrepreneur and again talk about that example of couch flipping right you don't have to quit your job to do that you can do that on in the evenings or weekends yeah and uh the fear going back to the fear like if you only i was afraid you were going to say that oh huh. <laughs> if you only act once you know for sure yeah. that something's going to happen, um, then you probably never do it, right? Yep. Um, and there are people too who analyze things and just really want to make sure that when they make the decision, it's the right decision. And I'm not going to look like a fool um, if I make the wrong decision. And that's kind of like an ego thing, right? Is that in this list? Uh, arrogance arrogance See, i think the is last that one, one. Yeah. i just come full circle right here <laughs> um because yeah it's your pride right if if you especially when it comes to finances i think a lot of people they want to be perceived as i'm doing well yeah and it's going well for me and i haven't made big financial mistakes you know uh i've never been bankrupt before i haven't lost money on a thing i like right so that that's really tied up to your personal ego and your pride and uh, sometimes your identity. Right. Yeah. And that's sinful. <laughs> uh -huh. um, but it also is limiting to you too. Right. Cause this world is not perfect. So no investment is going to be perfect. And every time there's an obstacle, you can look at it as if 
well, I shouldn't have done this. Or you can look at it like, well, what's the opportunity here? How can we fix this? How can we fix it? So that next time we encounter this obstacle, it's just not even an obstacle anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you have to consider your motivation as well. Right. In, in the book, um, rich dad, poor dad, the motivation is self essentially. Right. Yeah. You want to do better for yourself and maybe for your family. Yeah. Right. Other people, that's a little bit altruistic, but really it's not because your yeah. family is like your support structure. Um, but we have a different view, right? You know, how can I give more? How can I support others? How can I support my church? Yeah. How can right? I have a bigger impact? Yeah. Is what I'm doing now going to allow a me blessing? Yeah. Can I be more of a blessing? Am I okay with being this, you know, having the same amount of blessing on people for the rest of my life or do I want to do something different? Um, yeah. So, and that's, you know, that's something to think about. Definitely. Yeah. All right. The next one, cynicism. Are we going to go through all these? I don't know. Okay. They look like they're a list and we should go through them. <laughs> <laughs> I think people could just read the book. People can read the book, but the next one is cynicism. <laughs> okay. The next one is cynicism. I don't even know what's cynicism. Let me look it up. Uh, well, it's when I didn't even know cynicism was. When you're cynical, so you could say maybe pessimism as well, right? I don't even well, know right? if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> it's from Are the we Greek, even doing cynicos. a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, yeah, cynicism, like, like ow, oh, you know, the, the market's going to crash anyways. <laughs> like, what's the point, right? Yeah, Heard that for yeah, years. Yeah. Um, just things are or bad could be bad. So like, why bother? Yeah. The sky's falling kind yeah. of attitude. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, you, if you're very cynical, then yeah, you'll probably never act. Right. Yeah. And same with, uh, with being lazy, right? Like, yeah. Ugh, yeah. You're probably never going to act either if you're lazy and that's, and you're probably not going to be a learner as well, if I may dare say. Yeah. Right. Cause why spend exactly. that extra effort? I could play Xbox Instead of reading my Bible or reading this book or flipping a couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my There's head now. There's going to be a lot of different go couches couch. going on in the marketplace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Bad habits as well. That's another one on the yeah. list that you talked about, especially, right? Yeah. You'll see folks who had like a great start and uh, maybe they got their own business, right? And he's got that truck and a trailer and all kinds of abilities and then fall into addictions yeah. and then yeah, kind of your life takes a different turn. Right. Yeah. Oh, um, exactly. And yeah, especially, and usually there's financial implications as well, right? Then there's never enough money for the bills and you're uh, borrowing money from people and like, you can't help somebody else out financially, at least if you're in that situation. Yeah. Right. And, and spiritually as well, if you're addicted to something, probably not uh, going to be, have much of an impact on anybody else. Yeah. All right, and then arrogance was the last one. We uh, we kind of covered that. And I mean, I think I know better than that anyways, Brent. <laughs> I don't even need to listen to the Two Stewards show anymore. I got it all figured out. <laughs> uh, but maybe that's a good, uh, good spot to um, conclude this episode. Next one, we can talk about the last couple of chapters, which are a little... Um, Summaries, kind of. Yeah, kind of summaries. And then we Yeah, can, how people uh, could take action and how to tie this into uh, a Christian perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a little more concretely. So, All right. So, we said we were going to do it in uh, three episodes. We are going to do it in four episodes and we're going to 
actually doing a four episode? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Two chapters to go. That is a 75% guarantee. All right. <laughs> Until next time, everybody. Thank you for listening and steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely. <laughs>